this week I have been waiting for for weeks. Part of my job today, as I've been doing for the last two weeks, is to persuade you that you could live on a higher plane with God. That you could claim more promises than you're already getting. That you could, that God, part of my job is to persuade you that God is for you and not against you. Another part of my job is to tell you it does not come without a price. Part of my job is to convince you and I, if you and I will pray the price, count the cost. Circle the promises. If we will do our part, God will do exceedingly, abundantly, more than we could think or ask according to the power of God that worketh in us. So I come this morning, next slide please, to remind you what I started three weeks ago. When I gave you a 21 day challenge, actually it be three weeks of 21 days when we come to the 28th. So two Sundays ago, I started telling you about the circle maker, the walls of Jericho. I introduced you to the book by Pastor Mark Batterson that I hold in my hand again, not selling books for him and for me. But I, I, I told you that there are principles herein from the Word of God, testimonies, miracles, Struggles, disciplines. And so I ask you to involve yourself with me. Seven more days left. Today is the day of encounter for South Metro Ministries. I ask you and invited you to pray around a promise in the scripture. There are over 3,000 of them. Surely you can find one. I ask you to pray circles around your Jericho. Oh, help me, Jesus. Some of you have taken that literally, and I'm glad you have. Somebody told me that they have a small circular coffee table in one of the rooms in their house, perhaps their living room, on which they place their Bibles and their prayer requests, and they as a couple circle it every day. I've tried to tell you that if you'll make an appointment with God for 21 days, and you'll say, God, I'll meet you here every day, and I'll circle my Jericho, you can count on me. I'm telling you, it'll create a habit for the rest of your life to produce power. So I've said all that because I want to introduce the Word this morning. I want to persuade you. I've told you, and I'm telling you again, because I want you to have the power. There are press slips like these. At the welcome centers. They were in your worship folder last Sunday. They're available for you to complete. If you have a prayer concern, drop it in the prayer chest. I'm determined, aren't I? To win. If you don't make an effort, don't expect an answer. Not trying to be cocky or arrogant, but I'm telling you that you got to put some teeth in your prayers, some walking in your prayers, some fasting in your prayers. But if you'll drop this in the prayer chest, you'll have some other people help you circle. Tonight, 
6 o'clock. We're meeting for a prayer encounter. Some worship and prayer. For about an hour, uh, probably an hour and a half, we're going to pray. But we're not just going to sit and kneel and pray. We're going we're gonna to do some of that. We're going to praise the Lord. We're going to lay hands on people and pray for them. We got some prayer cloths that we're going to anoint with oil. I'm serious as I, I'm standing here. I'm telling you, I, I've come to understand the devil comes to steal and kill and destroy. He will work overtime to wreck your marriage and wreck your mind and steal your children. I think we need to invest a little bit more time than a courtesy call on Sunday morning to the house of God. And if you're willing to circle, I'm telling you, your Jericho will come down. Tonight at 6 o'clock, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, Tuesday night at 7 o'clock, Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Wednesday we'll have regular worship and praise and other ministries, but I'm also saying this to you. And I know you're standing. That's okay. If you're waiting for a hot dog at a good hot dog stand, you'd stand. But you're waiting for some steak this morning because the Word of God is better than... <laughs> Listen to me. I, I, I'm telling you. I, I'm inviting you to fast. As the Lord will lay on your heart this week. And I'll talk about that in a minute. Desperate people take desperate measures and they get miracles. Next slide, please. In your scriptures, Luke chapter 18, verse number 1. Then he spoke a parable to them that men are always to pray and not lose heart. Saying there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual nagging coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find this kind of faith on the earth? Praying hard, praying through. You are on the cusp of your miracle. Did you hear me? You are on the threshold. You have circled six times. Don't stop now. It's the seventh time when the wall came down. Stretch your hands in my direction. Ask God to help us. Come on, if you're ready for fire from the Lord, not from me. I, I'm only, I'm only uh, as available as the Lord would equip me, and I'm available. So if you pray for me, let's pray for each other. Oh God, I give myself to you. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I give myself to you. Now keep praying for me. Father, I just thank you today for the power of the Lord available to us. I thank you, the Heavenly Father, that your anointing is available to all of us. And I'm not trying to hear God come here this morning and be theatrical. I'm not here, oh God, supposed to wind up anybody's clock or blow anybody's horn. I just want to be a vessel of God. I want to be a persuader. I want to persuade myself. I want to persuade the church. I want to persuade the non-believers and the believers. I want to persuade them, oh God, that you are not against us. You are for us. 
I want to persuade us, though, God, that we must do our part. We must seek the Lord. We must pay the price. We must pray the price. I pray for fresh anointing. Somebody say amen. I pray for fresh revelation. I pray, oh God, that revelations will be like a searchlight. God, we need for you to search every crevice of our heart. We need for you to search every cavity of our lives. We need you for you to go in the closets of our lives where nobody else can go and weed out the things that need to be brought into light that you might give your grace and glory and forgiveness. Bless this church to truly encounter God this week and beyond. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated in His presence. I come with all kinds of stuff. And I got to weed through it. I got, I got this, this post-it note. I got this post-it note. I got this other note. Because I just want to get everything done. But I do want to note that two years ago on this very day, stand up, Miss Valerie, my wife. Our lives have never been the same January 22 2010, because on that day, Lakeland James Worley, our first and only grandson and child, was born. And we have never been the same. We have re-entered childhood. Today is his birthday. If you come knocking at our front door, you will not be able to get in. For the kind of presents and things that Valerie has put at that front door, only for Lakeland's eyes to pop and his mouth to open. I do not know, Miss Floyce, what I owe the credit card. One thing I do know, it's Lakeland. Oh, well, that's sermon number one. If your grandparents say amen. I know some of you grandparents raising your own grandkids thinking he's going to grow out of it. You're probably right. But right now I'm going to enjoy the very best of it. Today, it doesn't go by me, but tonight I will emphasize it in prayer. It doesn't slip my mind that today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. The preservation of the unborn and the prayer of God to God that we as a nation would repent for sanctioning. I'm not saying you're doing it, you, but our government and other organizations and people in places of power that have sanctioned and approved and have allowed abortion to be a method of birth control for the impropriety and lack of discipline of people who have involved themselves in sexual promiscuity and killed millions of babies. It doesn't slip my mind that one of the reasons why America is enduring such difficulties economically and morally is because we can't keep doing that kind of stuff in violation to the Word of God and expect revival. So tonight, while we're here, we will show a brief video clip about the sanctity of life and pray for God to help America again. Praying hard and praying through. This is lesson number three. And I have come to appreciate in the natural way of living in life that persistence matters if you're going to reach your goal. I have come to understand that determination, drive, get up and go spirit makes a difference in the degree of success you're going to have. 
with regards to what you're praying for and what you're working towards. Mark Batterson in this book, The Circle Maker, talks about a study done some time ago, standardized math test. And in it, Japanese children consistently score higher than their American counterparts. While, while some assume that a natural proclivity or tendency towards mathematics is a primary difference as to why in this standardized test study, Japanese children would do better than American children, the fact of the matter is that researchers have discovered that it may have more to do with effort than ability. Let me continue. In one study involving first graders, students were given a difficult puzzle to solve. The researchers weren't interested in whether or not the children could solve the puzzle. They simply wanted to see how long they would try to solve the puzzle before giving up. The American children lasted on the average 9.47 minutes. The Japanese children lasted 13.93 minutes. In other words, the Japanese children tried 47% longer. Is it any wonder that they would score higher on math exams? Researchers concluded that the difference in math scores might have less to do with the IQ, the intelligent quotient, and more to do with the PQ, the persistent quotient. The result of the test confirmed that the Japanese children, first graders, simply tried harder. That study, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, not only explains the difference in standardized math scores... The implications are true no matter where you turn. It doesn't matter whether it's athletics or academics, whether it is math or music. There are no shortcuts. You didn't hear me. There are no substitutes. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that in every area of life, success is the product of persistence. Can I get an amen? I need to hasten further and, and, and tell you that about 10 years ago, a man by the name of Anders Ericsson and his colleagues at Berlin's Elite Academy of Music did a study with musicians. With the help of professors from the university, they divided violinists. Violinists into three groups. Group one would be world-class soloists. Group two would be good violinists. And group three would be those who were unlikely to play professionally. Within this study, all of the violinists started playing around roughly the same age, about the same time. And they practiced about the same amount of time until they reached age eight. That is when their practice habits diverged. The researchers found that by the age 20, 
The average violin player whom they studied had logged about 4,000 hours of practice time. The good violinists totaled about 8,000 hours of practice time. And the elite performers set the standard of practice time with 10,000 hours. Now, while there is no denying that innate ability to play the instrument and desire dictates some of their potential... What the study really showed is that persistence produced the master violinist. It would appear that in the study, persistence is the magic bullet and the magic number seems to be 10,000. I'm going somewhere with this. Then you, you could say that the emerging picture from this is that 10,000 hours of practice is required to achieve a level of mastery associated with being a world-class expert in anything. In study after study, church, study of composers, basketball players, fiction writers, ice skaters, concert pianists, chess players... Even master criminals, if you will, this number comes up again and again. No one has yet to find a case in which true world-class expertise was accomplished in less time than the average of 10,000 hours of application. It seems, therefore, that it takes the brain that long to assimilate all that it needs to know to achieve true mastery. The question for me and you then is this. Is prayer any different? Prayer is a habit. To be cultivated. Cultivated. Work at it. Cultivated implies an agricultural metaphor. Cultivate the soil means you don't just throw seed in the springtime anywhere in the yard and expect squash. Dig the soil. Clear the rocks. Put in the fertilizer. Hours after hours. Prayer is a discipline to be developed. After you have cultivated the soil and put in the seed at the right time. You got to water it. You got to go back and pull up some more weeds. And when it begins to bring on its shoot and begins to germinate and produce leaves, you got to put some pests killers on it or do something to keep the the, the, uh, bugs or other things from taking the potential fruit. Prayer is not only a habit to be cultivated, a discipline to be developed, it's a skill to be practiced. Can Can I get an amen, somebody? And over a lifetime, it may take 10,000 hours of prayer to get some kind of answers. But this I know for sure. The bigger the dream, the harder you will have to pray. I wish somebody would say amen. 
And so I get all of that from this story that by now you've probably opened your Bibles to in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 8. Well, the Bible says one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never to give up. Jesus said there was a judge in a certain city who neither feared God nor cared about other people. A widow of that city came to the judge repeatedly saying to him, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. According to the account that Jesus gives in this parable, the judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God and I don't care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she is wearing me me out with her constant request. Think about this. The phrase... She is wearing me out with a constant request. The parable of what we would call the persistent widow is perhaps one of the most confounded pictures of prayer in the Bible. It shows us what praying hard really looks like. So praying hard may look like knocking on the doors of heaven until your knuckles become raw. Praying hard may look like praying with your voice, sometimes loudly and passionately, uh, until you get laryngitis because you're so because you're so desperate for an answer. We yell for the pro ball team and we yell for our children at the soccer practice until we get laryngitis and the result is not even a trophy in many cases. Why can't we sometimes yell the devil away and praise God so loud until it'll make demons flee and God's glory come down? Praying hard means praying until you pray through. And if you will pray through, God will come through. Somebody clap your hands and thank God for that. You know this phrase, she is wearing me out, is boxing terminology. (laughs) In the New Living Translation, this this is what it says about... This phrase, this woman is driving me crazy. Don't need to go no further there, just listen. We're talking about this woman in this text, okay? Look right up here, straight up here, all you guys, especially you guys. Keep your elbows to yourself, don't go coughing and hacking. Okay, we're talking about this woman in this text. If you intend to have dinner before you fast, this is the woman we're talking about. The Message Bible says, this judge, he says it in in the way of today's vernacular about this woman. I am going to end up beaten black and blue by her pounding, verbal pounding. Can Can I get a witness, somebody? So what, what I see from this text is, is, is that praying hard is like going 12 rounds of boxing with God. 
It's like a heavyweight prayer bout with God Almighty that can be excruciating and exhausting. But that's how the greatest victories are won in our lives. That's why perhaps one of the reasons the Holy Spirit impressed upon us and impressed upon Pastor Chad when he used the word encounter some months ago as we talked about prayer. Maybe that's why we're using the word encounter calling this week our time of prayer because it's like having a heavyweight bout with God. Because if you stay with it, praying hard is is more than just words. It's like blood, sweat, and tears. Can I get an amen, somebody? Praying hard is two-dimensional. If you take notes, write this down. Praying hard is praying like it depends on God and working like it depends on you. Did you hear what I said? If you're praying hard for a job, it means that you're praying so hard that God can give the answer. But if you really want a job, it means that you put in an application and a resume everywhere you can instead of sitting home on the couch after you pray, have the remote in your hand and eating potato chips, hoping somebody will will call you. Praying hard means praying like it depends on God and you working with praying and seeking God and reading your Bible and fasting like the answer depends on your obedience. Praying hard means that we are going to pray no matter how long it takes. Praying hard means whatever it takes for for God to show up in my marriage. Whatever it takes for God to show up in my money. Whatever it takes for God to show up in my body. Whatever it takes for God to show up in my job. I'm so tired of being drop kicked by the devil. I'm so tired of going in a boxing ring with the devil. I'm coming out black and blue. I'm going to stay on my knees. I'm going to circle my Jericho. And I'm going to stay there on Until heaven opens up and God sends me some angels to fight the devil like he did with Daniel in the Old Testament. If you believe it, give the Lord some praise. You'll stay in the boxing ring with God. He'll send you more than a referee. He'll send you Gabriel and Michael and the archangel. But God himself will show up and show out. If you'll stay persistent. Come on and help me praise the Lord. I'm going to tell you something. These are desperate times. I know where you've been. I don't know what world you're living in. One of a staff member I had years ago. He was a little more bold than I am. And, uh, and he, somebody kept coming to him with the same problem. And they wouldn't do their part of, the, the, of the, what it takes to get it right. And he got tired of them. All the time, coming for counsel with the same old stuff. And you ask them, did you do your homework? Did you fast? Did you pray? Did you give your tithe and offerings? Did you ask them to forgive you? All the time. <laughs> Little pastor got so much time for me. No, I don't. I got some other warfare I got to fight. But I'm not mad if you come. But for goodness sake, if you come, don't just take my advice for granted because it's free. It's amazing how somebody go pay $90 for 45 minutes from some secular counselor and do what they say and won't come and listen to the man of God and the word of God. Matter of fact, I'm counseling you right now. And I got a mean streak on me that wants to say you probably didn't give nothing in the offering, but I'll counsel anyhow. I know you're thinking he needs an encounter with God. You're probably right. I got my attitude. After my staff member, who's no longer with us, he's gone to another church. He told that guy, you need to get your head out of the duffel bag. 
I think that's a little desperate counseling. These are desperate times. And desperate times call for desperate measures. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. There comes a moment in time. If you get desperate and urgent enough, there comes a moment in time when you will throw caution to the wind and you will draw a circle in the sand like Honai did. And you will say, God, I'm not leaving this circle until you pour out rain upon this earth, upon our lives. I'm not leaving this circle until you pour out your mercy and your grace and your miracle. Because I am like the persistent widow who went to the judge and said, I'm not giving up until I get justice. There comes a moment in time. Help me, Jesus. When desperation dictates the posture that we take with God. You hear me when I tell you, church. I want you to understand. I do not know what this woman's ailment was. Okay? I I, I do not know whether she came to the judge because her son was arrested on false charges. And she wanted her son to be released from jail. I don't know if the man who molested her daughter was still on the loose and she wanted mercy. Did you hear what I said? All I know is she determined in her mind that the judge would know the injustice that she suffered and her family. And not only would he know it, but she wouldn't let up. She wouldn't let go. She wouldn't quit coming back until she got an answer. Can I get an amen, somebody? I'm trying to tell you this is what we've got to do this week. And this is what we've got to do all the time that we are facing situations that are bigger than we are. Can I get an amen? How does the judge of all judge, how much does he know about your desperation? Can I get an amen, somebody? How desperate are we this morning? Are we desperate enough that if God causes us to stay up all night, we are willing to take our pillow and go on the couch and kneel first and pray all night? Can I get an amen? Are we desperate enough to keep circling our Jericho? I don't care if nobody else is circling with us. Nobody else is encouraging us. We have made up our mind. I'm desperate. Are we desperate enough? to knock on the door of heaven with reading the Bible, fasting and praying until our knuckles are raw and, uh, and, and the pa- our pants are worn off at the knee because we've been kneeling with God. If you're desperate, you'll find out that God honors desperate measures. I've got to hurry. You know, sometimes desperate measures or desperate situations call for unorthodox behavior. I'm not asking you to be silly or crazy, but here, here's what I'm saying to you. That this lady, persistent widow, in the orthodox way of pleading one's case, she should have probably waited for her court date. You all didn't hear me. Her plea for justice needed to go through proper protocol. She had to get her an attorney. She had to pay the fee. Had to put the date. No, not this woman. Did you all hear what I said? Proper protocol means you show up at the courthouse on your date. But she broke protocol because she was desperate. She showed up at the judge's house every day. She, she, he will be leaving for the court this time this morning. I done seen his chariot and I know his driver and I'm going to stand. He will be coming home at 530. 
I'll be at his house again. Day after day. Matter of fact, I'm surprised the Bible didn't say the judge took out a restraining order on the woman. I feel a what glory here, somebody. Give a Lord some praise. You know, that's what the devil has done to some of you. You've been after God for so long, you hadn't got your answer yet. You circled six times and you gave up. And you put a restraining order on your own request, wondering why God ain't hearing you. But I say desperate burdens, desperate pain requires desperate prayer. And if you will show up and you will circle and you will pray and you will plead the blood, God, the just judge, will give you what you ask him. Help me praise the Lord. I don't have time, but I need to tell you, she wasn't the only person who took desperate, unorthodox measures to get her answer. A prostitute who was forgiven by Jesus when nobody else would give her the time of day broke the protocol of orthodox entertaining and honoring guests It was a male-only dinner at a Pharisee's house. And this woman showed up uninvited. Took a pressure. Oh, if I'm the only one going to have an encounter, I'm just going to go ahead and have it right now. Took the most precious thing she had in her possession and went in an unorthodox manner without being invited to the dinner party. Broke the expensive ointment over the head of Jesus, anointed his head with oil. It ran through his beard and down his body. She took the long hair that she had and wiped his feet because she understood that mine's was a desperate measure. They were going to take me outside of the city because I was a prostitute and Help me with stones until I die. Until Jesus said, where are thine accusers? And she said, Lord, I have none. Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. That was some of you and you and you. Don't sit there with your arms folded. You knew what you were before God found you. You ought to thank God in an unorthodox way because God is good. Somebody praise God. Yes, somebody praise God. We come here Sunday after Sunday. Want me to ring your bell. Want me to entertain you. Want me to make you feel good. I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not here to ring your bell or blow your whistle or toot your horn. I didn't save you. Jesus saved you. That ought to be enough for you to thank God even though you don't feel like it. I wish somebody would give the Lord some praise. This is not Disney World. I'm going to tell you something else. Sit down a minute. I'm going to tell you something else. You may get mad. We may clear out the place and we'll have to build a building. We'll just bring in some more folks. I'm not God's greatest gift of prophecy and revelation. But I do spend a little time with him in prayer. And he does show me some things. And I'm going to say this in a sort of generic way, if I've ever been able to say something generic. You know what I'm doing? I'm being unorthodox. I'm leaving these notes where they are and I'm going where the Holy Ghost tells me. I want to qualify in your hearing that I'm not interested in any elder, any staff member, 
any choir member, any youth worker, any usher, any hospitality person. I'm not interested in any band member. I'm not interested in any, anybody, volunteer or staff, sinning during the week and coming and acting holy on Sunday in their position. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not interested. I don't need, desperately need workers that bad. There are some of you in this house that during this week of encounter, you need to quit asking for a miracle of money or something else. And you need to ask God to wash you again in the cleansing blood of Calvary. You have sinned. You are hiding it. You think you got away with it. But the Holy Ghost says, don't you come here trying to act like you're somebody to me. I know you and I know what you need. But if we confess our sins, if we say, God, it's me you're talking to, I need to repent. God will wash you and encounter miracles in your life. I'm not mad. But I just want you to know I'm not trying to build a mega church by ignoring sin. Reason we can't have revival sometimes is some, some of us live like hell during the week. You're looking at pornography. You're cussing your spouse. You're stealing tithe and offerings from God. And you're doing all, all kind of other stuff. And the only reason you're here, you are mad as hell because the only way, yeah, that's what I said, you're mad as hell. The only reason you're here is because your wife is worse than hell if you don't go. I'm just, I'm just a little, I'm just a little dynamite, but I'm going to tell you like, I want revival. But I'm not willing to cover up junk in the house of God. I'm going to expose it. The Holy Ghost is going to expose it. And the Bible says if we humble ourselves and seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways, He will hear from heaven and forgive our sins and heal our land. Sit down a minute. Well, Pastor... If you know so much, how come you hadn't come to me yet? I'm desperate. The day ain't over yet. Keep checking your text. I may come through that way. Keep checking your email. I may... I'm burning up, but I'm going to go ahead in here. Shake it. You know what I'm doing? I'm shaking the tree to get the rotten stuff off. No. I'm not willing to carry you alone when you can carry yourself. I'm just saying let's go together. And let's stay on our knees until our spirits are broken. Until the hard soil of our hearts are plowed up by the Holy Ghost. Then we'll get revival. Take me to the word hyperlink. I'm going to take in members. At least I thought I would before I said all that. Maybe there won't be none to take in. But I don't give a flip about that. Because what I care about is watching your son, your daughter, your mother, your father run up and down Glory Avenue when we get to heaven. Because somebody persisted enough to tell them the truth. Help me, Jesus. Put all everything on that screen real quick. You know what? Take me. There's a slide there. Forget that. There's a slide that says there's three forms of circling. Find that, if you will. Here's how I'm going to try to wrap it up. You circle your Jericho by praying. You pray whether any. 
Oh, God. I got some, some folk ain't listening no more. Because they're wondering, what has he got on me? Somebody, have, some people have just zoned out. They're thinking, oh, God, is there a way to exit this church by crawling under the carpet? No, they ain't. And I'm, I'm not your judge. I'm just, I'm just out there putting it out there. <laughs> Stirring it up. And, and, and I hope you're like me. I've been under conviction like that when I couldn't find anything wrong with my life when I heard the preacher. And I went ahead and repented anyhow. I hope you're like me. Just, just go ahead. Go ahead. You circle your Jericho by praying, by reading the word, and by fasting. You, you know this, this computer word hyperlink? The computer word hyperlink is like you're reading an email and somebody sends you a link. And you don't have to go out of that screen. You don't have to go up to the main box up there and type in all that. And you just hit that with your cursor. Now there's a sermon thought. <laughs> Some of you have been using your cursor in the wrong way. <laughs> Hyperlink. That means I get it faster. I go immediately to that site without having to. You got your iPad. There's a hyperlink. It's an electronic link to a site that you don't have to wait too long. You just start there. Our desperation means that some of our answers need to be hyperlinked to the Word of God. There are other, I have so many other notes, but I'm, I'm just going to... Maybe it's for the next service, but I'm bringing us to this place. You know, I believe that Honai might have gotten his miracle from God when it rained after three or more years of drought because centuries before Honai, there was Elijah, First Kings 18, who prayed for rain when there was a drought for three... You remember? Remember he sent his servant seven times or six times there was no cloud. The seventh time he said, go look in the direction of the sea. And the seventh time the servant said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Maybe Honai had that in his head. He hyperlinked that miracle when he drew a, uh, a circle in the sand and said, if God would do it for Elijah hundreds of years ago, God will do it for me. I'm telling you, you need to hyperlink. Next slide, please. And what I'm saying to you is there are three kinds of fasting. There's a normal fast where you do out without food, but you drink water or juice. Forever, how long are you going to fast? A day, two days, three days of normal fast. No food, water or juice. There's a partial fast, like the Daniel fast, where, where you do not eat meats and sweets, but you eat vegetables and, and, and things that... Like Daniel did. And we have, we have a website for that. Hyperlinked. If you want to know. There's a normal fast. There's a partial fast. And then there's an absolute fast. No water. No juice. No food. I, I want you between now and Wednesday. To choose one of those fasts. I want you to hyperlink it to your prayer. To the word of God and the promises. And fasting. I'm going to begin that process of fasting this evening. And I, I, want to be, I want to continue through Wednesday. And I'm going to choose the normal fast. And somebody say, well, Pastor, you ain't supposed to tell, are you? Yes, you are when you're doing a corporate fast. When you're doing a church fast. 
when you're walking, marching around the walls of Jericho together. Okay? You, you, when, because remember, I don't have to spend time preaching it. How many times in the New and Old Testament the Bible talks about the nation called to fast? What, what I'm doing by saying that out to you publicly is putting my stuff, I'm putting my neck out there. So when I get tempted to have a piece of that pie that I got in the fridge, the Holy Ghost will remind me, but you told them you weren't going to have no pie. And you're absolutely right. If that pie stood in the fridge, make sure it ain't there when I live. Listen, some of you, some of you have medical conditions. You cannot go with an absolute fast or without some food. God not asking you to come next door to death so you could prove you're holy. But the, post, the posture of an empty stomach is a good posture for prayer. Because fasting is a way to seek God, next bullet, by denying the physical in order to focus on the spiritual. Fasting is abstinence with a spiritual goal in mind. Listen to me. If you've never fasted before, just choose one day. Fast till five o'clock. But here's the point. If you're going to eat lunch and your lunchtime is 12 to 12.45 or 12 to 1, don't just skip food. Take your Bible and go find a place. And the time it would take for you to eat, spend it with fellowship with God. That's what I'm saying. Swap your eating time for holy time. Hyperlink. Stand everybody. What is that chorus you sang? Would you, would you have them sing it again? Everybody, just stand all over the house. I'm going to have a prayer with you. And there were different kinds of ways that I could end this. But I ended by saying to you, if you are willing to encounter God, He is ready to be encountered. Please hear me. God didn't show up on the first day that Moses ascended Mount Sinai. But after 40 days, His God showed up and Moses encountered God. His face was so shiny and bright because he had been in the presence of God and the Holy Ghost. He had been fasting for 40 days. For 40 days, Moses went without water and food. And that's, that has to be the Holy Ghost. I don't recommend that for anybody. Nobody can go 40 days without water or they'll die. But it had to be God. Jesus. Jesus overcame Satan in the wilderness by fasting and prayer. He had his encounter. Can I get an amen? And there are other places. Jacob in the Bible encountered God when he had a vision at a place called Bethel. While he was sleeping, he had a vision of a ladder that went from the earth to heaven. And angels were coming and going, ministering to Jacob. I would like to have one of those kind of encounters. Can I get an amen? I don't know what you need. But on the day of Pentecost in the book of Acts chapter 2, the Bible says that they had waited 10 days. 10 days. I'm telling you, it's going to take a little more effort. You're going to have to be persistent. But the glory that's coming cannot be compared with the price you pay. The glory is far greater. I give myself. This is our prayer. Sing it. Lift your hands and sing it with them. This is our prayer. I give myself away.